0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. If you look back through history, almost everyone can find things about our presidents that they did not do well. Still, there are a select few that you would probably consider to be in the category of the worst ones ever journalist and author Robert Strauss has penned a new book that takes uh, historical evidence and surmises that there are a few candidates that you could qualify maybe as a final four of the worst presidents ever. And he does have a national champion in this category. The book is worst president ever. And Bob joins us here in the studio. Great to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, we. I'll start with what we're going through now, because I think some people say that uh, in that kind of final four, you might even be able to pick one or two from the people that are running for president right now mm-hmm. that you may be able to put into that category.
1: Well, here's the, s- the scoop. Of course, I didn't write the book last week, yeah. so I didn't have Trump and Clinton to think about. But when I proposed the book to my agent, I said... Uh, that half of America thought Barack Obama was the worst president ever, and half thought George Bush was the worst president
0: ever. George W.
1: Yes, yep. the, the, the George the the uh, the younger, and uh, but neither of them started the Civil War, and right. that's where I get to
0: James Buchanan. And James Buchanan is your pick for the worst president ever, uh, but you do you know throw in other candidates in there as well, including well Franklin
1: Pierce. He uh, he he wins over Buchanan because. Even though he was his predecessor, the war didn't start on his watch. Right, and uh, you could you could uh, certainly surmise that uh, people who ran into great difficulties, like uh, Herbert Hoover, sure, uh, the the depression happened on his watch. Uh, you could say Warren Harding because he had uh, scandals in his administration. Uh, but and Richard Nixon, of course, had to resign. Yeah. But each one of them had more positive attributes.
0: So for Buchanan, it was pretty much from day one bad thing after bad thing after bad thing.
1: Right. He was, uh, uh, I don't try to bring too many parallels to this uh, election, but he was sort of uh, the leftover Democrat. He was the most experienced man ever to run for president. Right. He had been a state legislator in Pennsylvania, congressman, a senator, uh, secretary of state, ambassador, Russia ambassador to uh, Great Britain. A lot of uh, experience, but, but still when he ran, he was sort of just the next guy in line. Uh, but what he did, he started out bad, and I'll tell you the first story of why he becomes the worst. And that is, there was this, uh, well, a case that was going around the Dred Scott case. Dred yeah. Scott was this ex-slave. Uh, well, he was a slave. His master uh, was in the army, he had been in uh, Minnesota or what became Minnesota. And then he came back. And when his master died, Scott sued because he said he had been a free man, so he was a free man. And, right. and uh, anyway, had been roaming around and uh, uh, was going to get maybe to the Supreme Court. But it was going to be a narrow decision, just, just like today when, well, when Scalia died, it was five to four conservatives and uh, liberals. Then it was five to four Southerners and Northerners. Mm-hmm. So Buchanan says, I won the election. I'm going to solve the slavery problem. And by sol- what he was going to do was influence this court case. And he got a northern judge from Pennsylvania. uh to go along with the majority. And then a New York judge wrote a concurring opinion, so it was 7-2, to two, so they were able to have a broad decision, and the broad decision was basically uh, interpreting the Constitution that slavery existed everywhere, that uh, Congress, neither Congress nor state legislatures could outlaw slavery well. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Is it, you know, we had a 20-year expansion. Things were going great. Uh, railroads led the expansion. Railroads grew up and all the businesses around railroads. Anyway, so like now you got this business in Chicago, say, making tin cups, and you want to move out to Cicero and have a second plant. Well, you're not going to do it because somebody from Tennessee might come up with slaves and and your competition. So you don't know what your competition is. Precipitously, businesses fail. Uh, uh, All the banks in New York close for a day. They don't accept scrip anymore. It's only gold and silver. Well, you have your tin cup factory. You don't have bar of gold sitting around chopping right. it up right. to pay for things. So that started the Panic of 1857, and uh, which was a precip- the most precipitous drop, I would say, of, of all our panics and depressions. And uh, Buchanan's answer to that was, sorry, you know, you guys speculated. Government can't do anything to help you.
0: Well, it is interesting in terms of the timing uh, of his presidency. And and obviously right after him was Abraham Lincoln, who is, you know, considered to be one of the best presidents. You. And, and you almost get the sense that that certainly he earned some of the designation of being a, a, a very poor president right off the bat. But part of it, you almost get the sense that it's Lincoln was so good and changed so many things for the positive after mm-hmm. him. That that's part of the reason why he was so bad. But maybe the but maybe the bar maybe the bar wasn't so high for Lincoln. True, that's right. You know, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, I always say that uh, Buchanan's the second most consequential man in American history. Washington <laughs> being the first, he started everything. Buchanan tore it essentially; it all tore apart on uh, on his reign. And you know, Lincoln was pretty good. Uh, I mean, the the attribute you want most in a president is decisiveness. I think sure. I mean, no matter what you think, I mean, it, it, even, even liberals have to acknowledge that Ronald Reagan was decisive. Sure. You he, he might not have liked what he did, but he, he, he said, did it said, and, said he was yeah. going to do it, and he did it. Yeah. Right? So, uh, uh, and Lincoln certainly the same
0: way. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. We're talking with uh, Robert Strauss, who is uh, the author of the book Worst President Ever, referring to James Buchanan, also has another couple of candidates in there in his quote-unquote final four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you refer to Buchanan as kind of a Don Corleone figure. No, I know that, or, no. Uh, actually, that's Andrew Jackson. Oh, Andrew Jackson. Okay, I'm Okay, so, so,
1: you know, when people say, well, he couldn't have stopped the Civil War when— uh, if you go to the very end of, of his reign, yep. and although there's interim steps, you come to the, uh, uh, not supporting Stephen Douglas, so it sort of makes sure that Lincoln is going to be president. Once Lincoln is elected president, this southern states starts to secede, yeah. and he he interprets it as that uh, uh, the Constitution doesn't let them secede, but there's nothing I can do about it. Right. So seven states secede. So So you could say, well, who could do anything about it? Well... Andrew Jackson did something about it because yes. South Carolina wanted to nullify a law. They said if, if we have to keep this law, we're going to secede. And Jackson says, sorry, you're not.
0: Well, what about the financial issues of the country? As you said, you know, you had a time where you know the banks in New York had New York mm-hmm. had to close for a day. Uh, I guess the coins uh, of the time were 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 being adjusted as well. I mean, right. there were there were there were a lot of financials. I mean, the, the slavery issue obviously was was a big one. Right. And then the Civil War was another massive one, but there were other ones within his presidency. Especially fiscal ones that that really caused issues.
1: Yeah. Well, what I like to do in the book is is tell stories, and and one thing uh, we sort of forget about history is that we forget history. Yeah. And uh, I'm telling you, you know, 50 years from now, somebody is going to start writing a a, a book about our era and say. You mean they actually doubted the president was born in the United States? Right, right. Even though this is like imbued with this uh, in this time, uh, that's going to be sort of way in the background until until somebody brings it up. So, uh, and the, my my personal story about this is, and I like to relate myself to history. Is I was in I was in a coin shop, buy wanted to buy something for my wife's for our twenty fifth anniversary, and I'm mm-hmm. looking around at the coins, and I see. In 1857, the coins suddenly became about one third of their size. Yeah. So the guy in the coin shop says, Oh, yeah, the panic of 1857. <laughs> That's, this, is, this was Buchanan's solution. We'll save on gold and silver and we'll make the coins smaller. <laughs>
0: so don't use as much in the coins and that'll save us a couple of bucks. Right, here and right, there.
1: right. So that, and, and then, but then that extra, exacerbated everything else because the South was sort of uh, insular, it could sell its agricultural products within within its own area. Mm -hmm. Your farm isn't going to fail quite so bad, or at least you'll be able to provide for your family and your neighbors. Uh, They still had some export markets in, in, uh, in Europe, but the North really suffered and that really sort of pulled them apart. Like they were like two teams, like Georgia versus Michigan, you know, (laughs) in football, they would be, you know, the, the teams on opposite sides. And, and once the South, Viewed, once the Northerners viewed the South being favored, Buchanan was called a doface. He, he he was a, a Northerner who had Southern views, right. accepted slavery, didn't have slaves, uh, so th- that really pushed us further towards civil
0: war. The other part of it is, is the is the railroads uh, right. because they were becoming very important piece to to not only uh, uh, trade and and moving stuff around the country, but to travel as well. And the impact that the railroads felt from having Buchanan make some of the, the the statements and the decisions that he made ended up being very important.
1: Right, right, right. Well, you know, uh, railroads sort of grew up in that time, that 20 years before. Yep. And, uh, you know, we people then had the American dream just like we have now. And they kept on moving west or north or south, wherever they wanted to go. Railroads yep. sort of helped them get that way. It was a lot faster than walking. And... uh, uh So once that whole uh, movement stops after the uh, Dred Scott decision, Mm -hmm. uh, railroads have have actually had. were, We're trying to
0: expand. They had debt, and so they went belly up in a lot of cases. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Uh, We're talking with uh, Robert Strauss, uh, the author of the book Worst President Ever, referring to James Buchanan. There was also, I was reading about uh, the tariff bill uh, of 1857, which actually had an impact on on goods overseas for the United States. Correct. uh, Just
1: he, another, place where he sort of didn't have the separation of powers, as he didn't with uh, uh, the the influence of Dred Scott decision, is he got Congress, he says, well, I'm coming into office, my, my signature economics bill is going to be the tariffs of 1857, mm-hmm. which just at the time we're expanding and getting uh, uh, more manufacturing, mm-hmm. you know, the Industrial Revolution or the pre-Industrial Revolution is going on, right. and uh, uh, all these manufactured goods now Suddenly, are much too expensive, and uh, uh, more European goods are coming in, and that sort of exacerbates the the other residue of the uh, the Dred the Scott and what I've just said. Yeah. Well,
0: it's 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 one of the things to have an impact on events going on within your own country, but it's another thing when you're actually impacting impacting economic right. issues as well, because. I mean, let's let, you know. This is about as straightforward as we can get. The, the fact that you impact money and economics in the country negatively not, not only affects the people, but it, it it just affects the country as a whole. Not only then, but for the next decade or two.
1: Right, and and, and you know we forget the impact of slavery, which was pretty yeah. amazing. I mean that we don't that we don't study it more. Uh, in in many ways but economically too it, it it almost as if it's almost as if there was a, a an american dream in the south of uh, uh, i don't have any slaves but i'm going to get some eventually right you know some day i'm going to be there and uh uh it was a
0: status thing in in, right, in right, a lot right. of cases yeah
1: because somebody will come to me and say well not that many people really had slaves i said no but they were they were on the slave team so to speak yeah it's as if uh, as if, well, to use the football analogy again, it's as if you're in the SEC and you're rooting for football, and, and Georgia wins, and they say that's great. You know, we're we're in that league, yeah. and we're against the Big Ten, and if Michigan loses. Well, that's great for us too. So, yeah. so they really, there really was almost a southern team based around slave states, and a northern team based around either not slavery, but probably more manufacturing.
0: Why was it, though, that that, that President Buchanan thought, especially on the, on, uh, the issues of, of the state seceding and, and slavery, that he didn't have any power in this? I mean, here is, even then, mm-hmm. that job was still the most powerful job in the world, and yet he said that he did not have the power to change anything. Well, uh, my interpretation of this is that um uh, he was
1: a conciliator. One James Buchanan had some good qualities. He was the best party giver of mid-century yeah. America. Yeah. He uh he he was good at glad-handing. He was he never said anything wrote anything bad about anybody. Right. Uh so that was his thing. But he never had to Unlike, say, governors who become president or generals who become president, mm-hmm. he never had to lead anything. Right. He was a waffler. And so you come up in this crucial time. Forgive me, but I don't think whoever wins Trump and Clinton are going to be facing times like he sure. did.
0: yeah.
1: Uh, uh, and he just cannot make a decision. Right. Which, you know, it's 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 you can do that in any part of your life. Yeah. If you're faced with somebody who doesn't make a decision, you don't know how to work.
0: You also mentioned, that I guess, that a part of the reason why uh, he is thought of so negatively is that in 1860, uh, during that presidential election cycle, uh, he wasn't supportive of the candidate, the Democratic candidate for president. Who could have won? Right. Who could have won? Stephen right. Douglas. Stephen Douglas. And yeah. he wasn't,
1: it was the one guy he didn't really like. And so instead of badmouthing him, he just said, stand on the sidelines. So— the 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 he chooses as the party leader. He chooses Charleston, South Carolina, as the place where they're going to have the convention. The right. worst possible thing he could have done. Right. So Douglas, of course, is not popular in Charleston. Right. So people walk out. Uh, they form another party, so to speak, with John Breckinridge, his vice president, as their candidate. And then there's a third party that tries to. Play, you know, sort of like the anti-Trumpians here, like, oh, we're, you know, we're going to save the country. Well, it splits the Democratic Party in three, and
0: obviously Lincoln's going to win at that point. Uh, of the other uh, other presidents that you talk about, uh, what were some of the big things like with Pierce and, and and Garfield that that really kind of put them in the running to be well, to be in this category? Well, Garfield
1: only served; he got yeah. assassinated. So, yeah. so
0: you, you can't even count people who
1: only were up in for a few months, like him and. Zachary Taylor and and uh, William Henry Harrison, but but Pierce was also a doe face. He was the they called it a dough face because he could uh, mold their face. Uh, the Southerners could mold their face. they were northerners. and he he similarly he, he, he was the only president to have the same cabinet through his whole term.. Yeah. And the person who had his ear most, the Dick Cheney of his administration was Jefferson Davis, who of course, you know, became Confederate president. And uh, this is who he listened to for the most part. And he uh, anyone, anyone of his actions, the biggest one was Kansas was going to become a state. Was it going to be free or, or not? And this lasted until Buchanan's time. And both of them waffled through it and caused uh, by Buchanan's time, there became a mini Civil War. John Brown was the sort of most prominent person in that. Brown eventually goes to Harper's Ferry, as we all know, and tries to capture this armaments town, which really was a real place. And we didn't have a lot of soldiers, only 12,000 soldiers in the Army at that point. Fortuitously, Robert E. Lee's home visiting in Arlington, he says to Buchanan, this is not a very good idea, 40 miles down the road,
0: to have an insurrection. Sure. And that sort of stops... That. you also mentioned in the book and, and as you said uh Buchanan was kind of he was a career politician right uh and that's something that a, a lot of people believe that can be a negative at point because the job of of being president mm-hmm. while having the experience of being working in government is great the job of being president is there isn't is en- there is enough difference between the two that if you're not the right person, it's not going to matter how much help right, you.
1: Right, right. Like I said, his experience was mostly conciliatory, right, and not decisive. And uh, if you look at the people who are generally thought as the best presidents—Washington, uh, Lincoln, FDR—in all the historian surveys for the last sixty years, they're they're the top three. Mm-hmm. Well, they were very decisive people. They made mistakes. There's no question. But their, their experience, well, at least Washington's experience was certainly as a leader, and FDR's experience, while not very extensive, was as a governor. Yeah. So they had the advantage of personality,
0: which is important. We're talking with uh, Robert Strauss, uh, who is uh, author of the book Worst President Ever, uh, James Buchanan, the POTUS rating game, and the legacy of the least- of the lesser presidents, which <laughs> it, it, you know, the the idea to th- to think about a book like this, I mean, where did the the idea come from? Because we we are so geared in on well, this president obviously did this. He was a great president, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, FDR, Washington, Lincoln, uh, those people. Uh, but the idea to to do a book about the the worst of the worst. Well, uh, one as I was obsessed by the
1: presidents from the time I was a little kid, and yeah. you know, I went to you know, my father dragged me to every, uh, historical uh, uh, sign and made me read it. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but, you know, I've always liked the sort of minutia and the fun part of it. I visit, I mean, I've seen, you know, at Grover Cleveland's, uh, birthplace in New Jersey, in West Coldwell, New Jersey, there's yeah. a piece of his wedding cake that his sister saved. You know, you can you imagine, I don't know what they were saving it in the 1890s, but, but certainly now at least they have vacuum tubes or whatever. So that's the kind of thing I loved. Um. Uh, I live outside of Philadelphia and, and Buchanan was the only president from Pennsylvania, yeah. so I knew this. But, but uh, uh, beyond that, I did spend a year in Silicon Valley for those people I knew who listened out there. And it was in the 90s. My wife had a fellowship at Stanford. And the, the, the word was always, you weren't a success until you experienced failure. Sure. So then I sort of looked. I said, you know, uh, if you want to become the next president— and you're aspiring to be president, and you want to look for an example. Well, you can look at Washington, and Lincoln, but yeah. you can't recreate the Civil War in the beginning of the country. So you're not going to have that that to go after. Well, then what are you going to be? Are you going to be James Monroe, pretty good president? Yeah. I mean, that's like saying you know I want to be uh, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, and I want to be Chipper Jones and not Hank Aaron. <laughs> so so uh, so then I'm thinking, well, what can what what could the next president read, and it, he can? What he cannot be, or he or she can can aspire not to be, is James
0: Buchanan. It is interesting because when you think about the history of presidents here in the United States, uh, and they're linked to the states where they are most well known, right. uh, most of them, I would say, they have incredible pride of having a president come from that state. You know, you mm-hmm. think about uh, Lincoln, Illinois, uh, Bill Clinton, even Arkansas, right. uh, Obama to some degree with, with Chicago and his ties to, right. to Illinois. Buchanan, there aren't many people that think about him as somebody from Pennsylvania, let alone even bring it up in conversation. Right, right. I mean, his home it was a beautiful
1: house. It's, it's only 60 miles from Philly. It's not as if you couldn't visit the Liberty Bell and James Buchanan's house on the same day. Right. Uh, uh, not many people do. Although uh, it's funny about what the United States was when when, uh, when Buchanan came to Lancaster. He, he grew up a little further west. Uh, as a lawyer, it was the largest inland city in America, and it had 6,000 people. Yeah. So you have to think of how small America was at that point. Yep. But, yes, I mean, I don't— I went to school in New Jersey, but uh, but I can guarantee if I was just across the river in, in Pennsylvania, they'd be sliding from Jackson to Lincoln real quick, and Buchanan would
0: barely have been mentioned. Does it does it even surprise you now? And getting back to to, to the present day, that we have two presidential candidates that have disapproval ratings in the 60 percent range, and we're you know a month away from the election. Well,
1: yes and no, because if you you know, I, of course. In doing this book, I studied the 1856 election, yeah. which was a much more bizarre election. The Whig Party had dissipated. It, 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 there, were, there had been a Whig president in 1853, only three years before. But by, by the time the election comes, there's no Whig Party anymore. a yeah. new party, the Republican Party starts, and they nominate a celebrity, much the same as today. John yeah. Fremont, he was the pathfinder. He was, uh, he was the guy who mapped out the West okay. with Kit Carson. And he wrote journals, and his young bride she, she was 17 when they got married. Jesse Benton, the daughter of the most prominent at that point, Democratic senator, mm-hmm. Thomas Benton, uh, Gussie's up the journals, and, and she's sort of the Chris Kardashian to his Bruce Jenner.
0: Okay, and she yeah. makes
1: him a celebrity. She, you know she knows everybody in Washington, everything gets publicized. So he runs for president on this new Republican Party. Then there's a thing called the Know-Nothing Party. Can you imagine an election where somebody calls themselves the Know-Nothing Party? Right. Right? So they were anti-immigrants. Okay? And so, you know, that that election is, is bizarre enough that, that it, it sort of compares to the current day.
0: Great to have you here, Bob. Great to see you again. Thank you very much. Thank you. The book out now called Worst President Ever by Robert Strauss, talking about James Buchanan. Uh, It is available in bookstores and available online. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.